We'd like to welcome Kevin Bowling, Executive Director for Secular Student Alliance, an organization that provides scholarships to high school and college students who are secular activists. Kevin, we're thrilled to have you with us. Why don't you tell us just a little bit, top-down view of, of your organization, the Secular Student Alliance. It's great being with you all on today. The Secular Student Alliance is a national nonprofit in the secular movement, but the real heart of it is our student chapters all across the country. So most of those are in colleges and universities, but we have student chapters in high schools, junior high, we've had middle schools, and we're soon looking at announcing some elementary schools. So wherever you're a student and non-religious or you're passionate about the separation of church and states, you want to have conversations about religion, non-religion. We're sort of a network on a campus that doesn't have one. We have staff that can help you start one. We provide tons of free supplies and resources to students to be able to do that. And as you mentioned, we have scholarships that we offer every summer. We do a summer conference and other fun stuff that we do throughout the year. I'm kind of stunned to hear that your organization is thinking as broadly as our youngest people, elementary schools. That's a surprise to me. And I'm grateful to hear it because the first thing I think about is how early religious institutions begin training their youth. I'm struck by your mission about empowering secular students to express their identity, build welcoming communities, promote secular values, and set a course for lifetime activism. And there are two of those issues that I think are really important. Our whole show focuses on the action items. What do we do? And building communities is a big part of that. So can you make that a little bit more tangible? What does your organization endeavor to do in terms of community building through recipients of your scholarships, the students who are under the scope of your organization? I think the organization does that one by obviously the chapters that we have on individual campuses. Almost 50% of students now are non-religious. And that's clearly a wide description of how students identify. And the students who really get involved in the SSA are probably more on your atheist, agnostic, free thinker, skeptic sort of level. So one of their primary identifiers is is that and why they choose to get involved. At the same time, while we have this growing number of non-religious, especially in youth, we also have an increase in the animus and harassment and discrimination towards non-religious people. Non-religious people, Muslims and trans people are still the most mistrusted in our societies, and we continue to find that. And so students who are in areas where there may be a high religious prevalence in the society, in rural areas where there's not a lot of other people who they think are like them, we often then provide that community. And so it's a place for them to be with other like-minded students who are non-religious and to find and build that community. And it usually starts off with coming together and finding friends and continues to grow. Then they start doing activities and programs on campus. They're doing educational programs, normalizing non-religion on campus, and then sort of getting into, okay, now what are we going to do in making our world, our community, our campus a better place? And that's a lot where the activism comes in. And we see them involved in lots of different areas on campus. So part of our, as you sort of mentioned, our mission is to live out that lifelong activism. And for us, it's whatever they're interested in. So clearly, separation of church and state is an issue that most of our students are very passionate about and eager to do things with. And so whether that's living out through politics, and we have students who have testified at capitals in their state against bills that are coming up. We've had students who have done protests on campus or in public. Our students in San Antonio, Texas, were on campus making sure that the campus health services were still going to provide reproductive health services for women after Roe came down and also the horrible bills that Texas has continued to promote. We have students who are suing the school when the president canceled a student drag show based on 
as he quoted multiple times his personal religious beliefs. We've had students in Missouri testify at the state capitol. So it's really however they choose to live out that activism. And those are all sort of separates the church and state, but it really gets into, you know, racial justice, LGBT rights, environmental, women's reproductive health, climate change, veganism, however they want to live that out. Well, you actually just addressed the other point I was going to bring up, which is the lifetime activism. How do you train young people to be able to go out into the world and do the things that matter to fight for secular values? And and clearly that's a big part of what you do. And you previously spoken about the number of students that lose their religion while they engage in higher learning. I had read that in a different interview that you had had, and I really thought it was a really great point. And it brought up two thoughts in my mind. The first thought was, oh, I guess that's what those dominionists call indoctrination, right? Uh, And the second is that that secular student fellowship that creates a sense of belonging and inclusivity that you just spoke about and how it allows these students to grow into their best selves. And we've talked a lot about these great scholarship programs. Do you want to share any success stories and tell us a little bit about where people can go to find out about how to apply? We call them secular activist scholarships. So we're really looking for students who are living out their secular values, who are passionate about the separation of church and state, and who also are involved in intersectional activism. And again, that's a wide variety of things. We love sort of what students come in with. And we've had students who have been active in their local communities in politics or any one of those topical issues we've talked about. We've had students who have who have gone to Tijuana, Mexico, and helped build homeless shelters. I mean, the wide variety of things that our students are involved in is incredible. So if if students are interested in applying, go to our website, secularstudents.org. And there you can just click on scholarships and there's the information there and ease the application. There's also a fun thing to do is click on, you can see the past recipients and you can read about what past recipients have done and what our students all across the country are doing. And I will do a little caveat. Um, We take probably like a three or four page application and turn it into like a paragraph and a half. So we're giving you obviously the extreme highlights of what the students are doing. And I will say one of my favorite things every year is reading the applications that come in. And I thought I was busy in college and, you know, an activist and have done a lot. When I start to read about what our students are doing, I'm amazed. All the things that they're involved in and just the amount of time that they're really putting in to make their communities better for other people. I'm so glad you steered the conversation in the direction of past recipients because one of our good friends, guest on the show, and co-founder of the Secular Democrats of Pennsylvania, of which I am chair and Christina is vice chair, uh, is Sarah Levin who is, as I understand, a past recipient. So Sarah, as alum of the Secular Student Alliance, was involved in her chapter and then has been involved in the secular movement in a number of different organizations and doing some fantastic work. So she was involved in Secular Coalition of America and now involved in Secular Dems and really in setting up coalitions for secular people to be involved in. So Sarah does some amazing, amazing work. Also a lobbyist. Um, has lobbied at state capitals and obviously in D.C. I mean, she's a wonderful person on her own, and I'm very glad that she's also an alum of the Secular Student Alliance. And from what I understand, she'll be a guest speaker at your conference this summer. Our conference, for us, it's about grassroots organizing, leadership development, bringing in fantastic speakers from the secular movement, and sort of all with that sort of secular perspective. We say it's the largest gathering every year of secular students, because we don't know of another one, 
We've been doing this for 21 years now. We will be convening at the University of Missouri, St. Louis on June 16 through 18. So we have sort of three days full of speakers, workshops, trainings, fun sort of stuff. Senator Hunt will be there, Justice Horn. So we have some local politicians as well, as well as other speakers from the Second Movement. Sarah is going to be doing a great workshop and super practical training, sort of how to sort of activate that political activism. You're getting them when they're young and training them up. We definitely are. You're looking at these applications and just seeing this amazing youth talent. How do you think that this youth talent is going to help build our secular progress in the future? Youth voting right now is continuing to increase. And I think this upcoming year, I think that's going to be even stronger. And we know about 87% of our students are registered to vote. So I wonder if that in and of itself is a focus of the Secular Student Alliance or of some of the activism, the focus on registering students to vote. And perhaps do you break away from the sort of stereotypical register to vote because it's your responsibility or register to vote because, I don't know, peer pressure, everyone's doing it. It's the cool thing. <laughs> How, however, however, you appeal to young people in a way that sounds less pandering and more like, no, 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 you could take charge of our country if you do this. (laughs) I think you're you're exactly right on. And what we're finding is, and if you look with environmental rights, LGBT rights, reproductive health, everything that's happened with racial justice, students are pissed off and they realize that this impacts them greatly. So every election year, we do have a get out the vote campaign and we have student chapters who register anyone to vote on their campuses and those things. And this is the same time when we're watching and it's Republicans who are trying to stop having voting places and voter registration on college campuses because they know young people are pissed off about what's happening. We really don't pander. We tried to you know, cut it to the chase. And some of the information that we, we send out regularly, but really on voting years, one, we always do a score sheet on so where the students can rank their candidates, look at their values and match them up to the candidates so they can make educated choices. And they're doing the ranking. And we also have some fun stuff. We send out stickers that, you know, if you don't like what's happening, stop bitching and, and get out there and vote. Some other ones that are a little bit more, you know, you know, just like F and vote. Right, right, right. <laughs> Obviously, in politics, there is so much, there's a, a pervasiveness of pandering. What are some of the methods that you use as an institution to expand your scope? For us, we really want to make sure that the student chapters, one, they're fairly autonomous. They're registered student organizations on their individual campuses. So they decide their programming and they decide, are they going to be really sort of community safe space focused, or they can really be sort of politically active and sort of out there on campus. And it's a lot determining on how safe that environment is in their area on how they choose to do that. So we provide a bunch of programming and a ton of free resources to help them with that. We have staff who works with them on chapter basis as well as individual leaders. So we're providing as much support as we can for them to really be able to take the reins and to really be active with that. We do a lot of promotion on social media to try to obviously encourage students to increase the awareness about the organization through our scholarships. It's a great way for us to sort of promote what we're doing and the ideals that we stand for. Again, we want that lifelong activism for students. We want it to be student initiated. We want the students to have the ownership in it. We want them to build the leadership and organizing skills that's going to be successful for them in their future endeavors. How would you describe the importance 
of your organization as a, a safe space, a space where young people feel comfortable being themselves, representing themselves, being visible. You know, almost half of students are now non-religious. And again, that's the stigma and the, you know, animus is real, silly, really prevalent and strong still. We did a, a large outreach. So we emailed a million students just as part of a way to normalize non-religion. And also, of course, let students know that we're here, we're here to be a help. But we had a student who emailed us back from Ohio State University with like 60,000 students and said, I thought I was the only atheist on campus. So we want them to know, nope, lots of you on campus, and you can come together and make a difference on your campus. So we have students in Florida who talk about how they have, Florida has a free speech guarantee on all college campuses where white nationalist proud boys are coming on campus and will sit there and harass and taunt them while they table on the main walkway on campus. We have preachers who will come on a campus and have 20 by 20 size banners of aborted fetuses on the main walkway of campus. And think of the, just the trauma of that, but anyone who has been through the trauma of having an abortion because they needed one or wanted one, that's not necessary. And that doesn't promote an educational environment or a safe place for students on campus. Sure. I remember we that from my college who, days. Yes. We have um, Ask an Atheist Day twice a year where you post on social media or you t students table on their campuses. It's a point of ask a question to an atheist and let's start a just a nice conversation and come to more of an understanding. And a student did one post on their social media and this family, you know, called him up and said, you need to take that down. You're not an atheist. And he's like, I am. And they wound up disowning him. I uh, tried to take his car, which he had paid for. They stopped wow. paying for college. And so he's one of our former scholarship recipients. He was also the president of our chapter on his campus. And so he's like, I've got to step back from a little bit of what I'm doing because I need to get a second job because now I know I have to finish school. So he graduated. He's now now in graduate school. So there's a lot of unfortunate events that sort of happened. But the reality is, is I really hope that the students and we are providing this community that that embraces them in that moment, that helps them stand up on their campus and talk to officials on campus and stop some of the, what we're seeing and helping create a better educational environment. And again, they've got that friendships and you know they're building those leadership skills and that lifelong activism. When you had said that there are more atheists than we know, uh, we're a larger group. We just tend to be silent, which we need to stop. But given that, since there are so many people that might be listening to this and might want to go apply for a scholarship, could you give us any tips on success for that application process? If you're interested in you know, finding a chapter, um, our conference, or of course scholarships, go to secularstudents.org and we have the information there. We actually list the questions that we ask. So before you start the application, so you can see right on the page, like here's the questions we're asking. So it's how do you identify what's sort of your story and how you came to your you know, non-religion or secularism so that you have a chance to think about that. We want to know a little bit about your educational goals, what you're doing, and then it really gets into what's your activism. It doesn't have to be long, but really sharing those concrete examples that shows us what you did and what you got out of it is the big component that I think that makes the most difference. I'm still stuck on the fact that your work spans the gamut of youth from very young to, to college students. We need that on our side. We need that in our fight against Christian nationalism, religious extremism. You're doing amazing work. It's so good to know you. So good to have you on our show. Appreciate the time. It was great talking to you guys. Thank, Thank you so you much, so Kevin. Much.